the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, and that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins, for the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Thank you, Lord, for this time of prayer, this time with you. Writing to the first Christians, and also, therefore, to us, St. Peter reminds them of their call to holiness. And in this month of October, that's a topic that's natural for us to pray about in Opus Dei, because we celebrated on October 2nd the founding of Opus Dei, the anniversary of the founding of Opus Dei, October 2nd, 1928. And like all the saints, St. Josemaria wasn't making anything up. All of the saints and their charisms and their spirituality come from our Lord, come from our Lord, the fount of all holiness, the source of all holiness. And this is St. Peter in the first chapter of his first letter. Therefore, gird up your minds, be sober, set your hope fully upon the grace that is coming to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, be holy yourselves in all your conduct, since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. So it's a very clear call to action when we consider our call to holiness, the universal call to holiness, preached by St. Josemaria, willed by God. It's part of divine revelation. We're all called to be saints. This is the will of God for you, St. Paul writes, your sanctification. When we consider that, Lord, in your presence, perhaps the first thing that we take away from it, or the first thing that strikes us, is the thought, I need to do more. I can be more active. I can do perhaps a little bit more, or I can do the things I'm doing better. I need to get moving. Because God has this confidence in me that I can be a saint. Bishop Echevarria, the former prelate of Opus Dei, the prelate before the current prelate, who passed away a number of years ago now, in one of his last pastoral letters, he said, we have to take confidence from the confidence that God has in us. The confidence that God has in us to grow in holiness, to grow in faith, hope, and charity has to give us confidence that we can do more, I can do more, or I can do better. And this is what St. Peter's doing. He's saying, hey, get moving, get moving, right? Gird up your minds, be sober, set your hope fully upon the grace that is coming to you. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. 
So Lord, help me to be more active. Help me to want to be better. Help me to want to love more. Help me to desire to pray better. Help me to be inspired with the confidence that you have in me, to be inspired and more confident because of the confidence that you have in me. So that might be our first reaction, but we can't stop there um, at all. <laughs> because if you read the rest of the, of the passage that we just read and stop at, okay, I need to do more, I need to do better, which is true, right? we need to want it more and to choose and to, to do better, to use the natural will and talents that God has given us. But if we stop there, well, then we'll be frustrated and miserable. Why? Because it says, since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. Be holy yourselves in all your conduct. As he who has called you is holy, be holy yourselves in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. And he's quoting Leviticus there. And so that's a high bar. Jesus says, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. And so if we stop at, well, okay, this is something that I need to do. This is something that I need to want and accomplish without moving further to, you know, how's this going to work? Well, we're going to get frustrated and it's impossible. Because if it's just an external example, right, like God is over here and we're over here and God says, hey, be holy because I'm holy, we look at God and all his holiness and we look at ourselves and our weakness and our sinfulness and we say, ah, good luck with that. Right? It'd be like if I were Einstein here expounding on the theory of relativity and no one here would know what the heck he was saying. Uh, and then he turned around and looked at you and said, well, be, a, be very good at physics because I am very good at theoretical physics. Well, no matter how hard we tried, right, it wouldn't work. Maybe for some of you, much smarter than I am, but we couldn't just like, you know, will ourselves with effort into being, um, into being as smart as Einstein. That reminds me of a terrible joke. I can't remember it, though. <laughs> the Holy Spirit saved you from a bad, from a bad joke. It's something about, I just learned that Einstein was a theoretical physicist. That's funny, I always thought he was a real guy. My apologies, okay. And so holiness can't be that, or right? it can't be God just looking at us from the outside, depending on our own capacity and saying, hey, be holy because I'm holy. So what is it like? Well, it's more like if someone came in to this meditation and she was sneezing and coughing and, you know, looked miserable, sweating, and she came right into the pew that you're in and sat right down next to you and kind of sneezed and coughed on you and then leaned over into your face and said, have a cold because I have a cold. Right? That's more like what happens with God. And obviously we have to do our part. But that's it. That holiness in our life is the result of contact with God. 
contact with God. And Lord, you've made this easy because you've entered our life in baptism. We die with Christ in a death like his in baptism, and we rise to a new life in him. When we're in the state of grace, he's in the center of our soul. When we receive you, Lord, in communion, you abide in us, and we abide in you. And so we could be holy because he's holy, because he's in us, because he's with us. Holiness is God's power working through us. In a certain sense, it's not so much our doing something, although it is, but even more, it's letting something be done unto us, and letting God's life develop within us. That's faith, hope, and charity in our soul. There's an amazing passage in Paul's letter to the Ephesians, Ephesians 3, this was in the, in the weekday Mass just last week. St. Paul says this, he prays for the first Christians, those Ephesians, and therefore his prayer is also a prayer for us because all scripture is also written to each one of us personally. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, so that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And so St. Paul has this prayer that they may know God, to know with all the saints, what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses all understanding, which surpasses knowledge. And how does it happen? It happens because because Christ dwells in our hearts, because we're strengthened with might through his spirit inside of us, in the inner man, as as St. Paul puts it. In another passage, he says, and hope does not disappoint because the love of God with the Holy Spirit has been poured into our hearts. And this is a great mystery, Lord. This is a great mystery that Holiness is not just conduct. It's not just behavior. Right? We live in a kind of industrial and mechanistic time. Right? And we're used to like machines and computers. And they've become like a model for how we even think about our life. And on that model, well, the important thing is inputs and outputs. Right? You program the machine or you program the computer and then you get it to run in a certain way or you tweak the factory and you tweak the machines and they produce the product more efficiently or in a different way. And we can think that way about, about our faith and about holiness. Well, I need the right inputs, right? The right doctrine and the right rules. And then that helps me have the right behaviors and then out come the right actions. 
And it's much more mysterious than that. What's really happening is that we are people with a heart and with emotions and with a mind and with a will. And God is personal. There's a divine will and a divine mind and three people in God and emotions in the heart of Christ. And just like a very, very close friendship where you start to almost intuit what your friend wants or needs or feels and you have the same goals and you're on the same page, but even more intimate than that, right? God's person and our person meld in holiness. He inhabits in us personally. He lives in us, dwells in us in a personal way and we in him. So that the wall between us and God is like, disappears, right? In grace, in our holiness. And this is, this is nuts, right? Because God is, in, God is infinite and God is uncaused and God is all powerful. God is God. And so what St. Paul says here is one of these things that we could pray about for a long time. And to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. To be filled with all the fullness of God. How's that work? God is infinite. Right? The fullness of God is God. To be filled with, with an infinite richness of beauty and splendor and holiness and knowledge and love and joy. How's that going to work? Won't I pop, right? Won't I burst? And the answer is yes, you, you, you will pop and you will burst. Jesus says it, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. If anyone would come after me, let him take up his cross and deny himself every day and follow me. To have God live in us, we have to die. We have to die. Why? Because in order to have another person living in us, as God wants to, we have to let him. And to let him, we have to say, well, I'm not in charge, and I'm sinful, and I need to work on this or that. If I'm going to have this super holy person living in me, I always have to recognize what's incompatible with my life right now as it is, with my way of thinking right now as it is, and let that die. But that's part of me. My self-reliance is part of me. My sinfulness is part of me. My distrust, Lord, of you is part of me. And all that has to die. And what happens is, well, how does it die? Through crosses. Right? God will send you a cross to make you more humble. He'll send you a cross to make you more patient. He'll send you a cross to test your faith or your hope. He'll send you a cross to test your charity. And they could be long ones because it's a deep purification that we need to overcome our false idols and overcome our defects. And we're not that patient or we're not that trusting, right? To stay with that cross. We don't want the balloon to burst because we don't think that, well, miraculously, God's going to give us another balloon to, to hold all the water or all the capacity that he's putting into that water balloon that is your soul. I don't know if that's the best analogy, but you know, when you're a kid, right, you had those water balloons. And it was always tricky because you want them full, you want them very full, 
so that when you hit your brother with it, it would actually explode. Because if you don't fill it enough, it's just going to bounce off, right? But if you fill it too much, it pops. Because compared to the capacity of the balloon, the capacity of your, your hose or your spigot in your backyard is infinite, right? And so there it's always like you have to measure, okay, just enough to be a really good water balloon. I can throw it, it's going to hit and explode, but I don't want it to pop before I can throw it, right? And so that's a little bit like us, excuse the analogy. <laughs> but um, we're always a little bit like afraid that, well, if I trust God too much, he's going to ask for too much. Or in this thing, you know, God doesn't know what he's doing. I have to take care of myself, right? And so we run, we hide, we, uh, we sin, We, we rebel. And so instead of being the grain of wheat that falls to the ground and dies because we're afraid of dying and bursting and not being, God won't give us a new life. Um, instead of being the grain of wheat that falls to the ground and dies, we're more like a Mexican jumping bean, right? God, you know, God puts us down and says, okay, now it's time. Let's do some work with this cross to overcome this vice, to develop this virtue to go through this trial with faith and trust in me. I'm laying you down. Be the grain of wheat that falls to the ground and dies. We say, okay, no thanks. Boom, we bounce back. We kind of bounce back up. So to be patient with our trials. Because what's at stake is so much better, so much more. To be filled with all the fullness of God. From his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. A happiness, Lord, that we couldn't expect. A goodness that we couldn't have predicted. A peace, even amidst trials, that St. Paul says, the peace of Christ, which surpasses all understanding. Here he says, the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge. In another passage, he says, the peace of Christ, which surpasses all understanding. But again, that takes a, that takes a radical trust in his holiness, in his presence, right? In his help, in his, um, care for us. And not in ourselves, in our own capacities. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Most people stop there because it's a be- such a beautiful passage. Also because they're like, what the heck's he talking about? That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> they can't understand it, so they stop reading. Um, but listen to the listen to the kicker here. The uh, the next sentence, Saint Paul's sentences tend to be long. To know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, to him who, by the power at work within us, is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. And that's what happens to the saints, right? That's holiness. This is, this is what we're all called to. That if we keep trying, keep being open and keep being humble, God can work with us. And when God can work with us, eventually he will. And he lets us do things and accomplish things and 
go places interiorly and even exteriorly, depending on his plan for us. Each one has a different plan that are way beyond anything we could ever uh, think of on our own. And all the saints, when you read the lives of the great saints, especially, especially they're like autobiographies, those that were more introspective and were told to write about their interior experiences. Well, it's kind of like this, you know, they all have a similar kind of story where they're normal people. Obviously, some of them have extraordinary talents and gifts, sure. But they're normal people, and they just keep trying to pray, number one. They keep being prayerful and committed to prayer. They keep showing up in front of God, accessing the source of grace, which is our Lord in the sacraments and in their prayer life. They're very humble, and so they admit their weakness. They admit their sinfulness. They don't try to cover it up or hide or make excuses. But they really struggle to be sincere about where they are and, and where they're lacking. Extremely humble. They're obedient. If, if God tells them to do something, they try to do it. They're obedient not just to God, their own personal inspirations, but even more they're obedient to the authorities in their life through whom the will of God comes to them. Church authorities or for, for religious people, superiors. And then they just struggle along like that and they're praying and they're trying to be humble and they're trying to trust God and they're trying to do His will. And if they keep doing that, really, really doing it, right, without any, you know, obviously they're going to have their falls, they start over with humility, etc. Well, at one point God enters in a more powerful, He's always there, of course. He's there with you right now, with me. But that's the kind of soul where he says, okay, I can give this soul more grace. I can take this soul further. Because this soul is humble. The grace is not going to make her proud. Because this soul loves me, wants to do my will. Because this soul has shown me that she's persistent, persevering, right? It's taken a while. She keeps showing up that she really loves me, she's committed to me. And so most of us, we have this called the holiness, but we're just like all, eh, limping along because we never develop those attitudes, I think, of like perseverance in prayer, really wanting God's will, being very humble, um, being obedient. And if we did, Lord, who knows where you would take us? St. Paul says it, you know, we don't know. Far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. This happened to St. Jose Maria. He writes about it in one, I think, in The Way. He says, well, there was this little bird, right? He puts it in like an allegory. There was this little bird who was trying to fly, and he would fly up to like this first floor ledge, and then he'd fall back to the ground, and then he'd try again, fly up to the first floor, and then he eventually made it to the second floor, and then through a lot of effort, right, and prayer, the little bird makes it up to the the roof of this very small building. And then this eagle comes and swoops down and takes the bird in its talons and flies way high up above the clouds, right? All the way up to the sun. And then lets the bird go and says, fly, little bird. And it was autobiographical, right? This was him. It was just, you know, normal guy, trying, effort, open to God's grace. And God takes him. 
And this will be us. This is what our Lord wants for us. Holiness. This is the will of God for you, your sanctification. And so it helps us to do both. To do both. To do, right? St. Saint Peter says it. Do it, right? Be sober. Don't be conformed to the ignorance of your former passions. Be holy as he is holy in all your conduct. Right? Be better. Go for it. Right? Go for it. But also the, the more important lever that we have to hit is be it done unto me according to your word. It's not so much something we do, but something that's done unto us. And that's the secret of the queen of all saints, right? Our lady. Be it done unto me according to your word. Lord, help us to be holy because the world needs saints. St. Josemaria says this. These world crises are crises of saints. Our holiness is not just for us. The people in your life need you to be close to God. The people in my life need me to be close to God. The world needs God. Pope Benedict talked about the world as like a spiritual desert, right? It's thirsting for God. It's thirsting for grace. And he says, in the desert, right, signs of hope spring up. And what are those signs of hope? Well, community, small communities of people who are really taking the, the gospel seriously, individuals right, who say, yeah, let's, enough fooling around, right? Enough, enough fooling around. Right? I'm not going to be lukewarm anymore. I'm not going to give in to that habitual sin anymore, right? Not, be, not because just because of my own decision or my own effort, but because I have this greater faith also that God is in my life. I can do all things in him who strengthens me. Too many people need grace. Too many people need prayers. The sacrifice of trying to do um, that little thing that I know I should do or live my life as God wants, a little more order, a little more generosity, a little less self-seeking, a little less intemperance, right? That sacrifice is worth it. People need it, right? People in Ukraine need it. People... In Nigeria, need it, right? These places, these countries are suffering. You only hear about some of them, not others. Uh, people in Portland need it, right? People in Falmouth need it. People in your house need it, right? You need it. I need it. We need God. And God comes into the world through saints, right? Through people who say, okay, yeah, I'm nothing, but I'm going to try my best. And also, I'm aware that God is in my life. Be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Our Lady, our Mother, Queen of all saints, pray for us. Help us to have confidence from the confidence that God has in us. Help us, like you, to put all of our existence fully in the service of God. There are no excuses. That's one one cardinal of the church said about St. Josemaria during the uh, beatification process, I believe. He said, St. Josemaria has taken away all of our excuses. But, oh, I'm just that, or I'm just, you know, I'm just a lay person, or I'm just a, uh, a, a poor worker, or I'm just a this, or I'm just a that. No excuses. We all have a will. We all have a mind. We all have the sacraments. We all have the faith. We all have Jesus in our life. 
St. Thomas Aquinas says it. He says the hardest thing about being a saint is wanting it. Right? The hardest thing about being a saint is wanting it. And why don't we want it? Well, because we don't trust, because we don't trust enough to suffer for love, right? We don't trust enough to stay down, right? We're more like that Mexican jumping bean, right? We don't trust enough to turn the spigot on and let our water balloon burst so that miraculously a new water balloon can appear, which is what happens eventually, right? There's no resurrection without death. So help us to embrace Our Lady, the whole process, right? The whole process, the cross that our Lord wants us to carry so that we can bring the resurrection to the world, the humility that he wants us to have so that we can not make excuses for our defects and let him really work on them finally, the courage we need to take up our daily cross, and perhaps above all, the trust, right? The trust that God is real, that God is in my life, that he's calling me to this new life in Christ, right? This life of holiness. Our Lady, our Mother, Queen of all saints, my mother, pray for us. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations which you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.